listening to Innovators Collab, the fun startup podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Eric Nelcher. And on Innovators Collab, we investigate a new topic each week and interview some of the most innovative minds in the startup scene here in Europe. My goal is to turn my guest's wisdom to actionable advice that you can use to grow your business. No matter your industry, I'm here to uncover value from my guests by doing the proper research and asking the right questions. And at the end of each interview, we have a little fun where my guests reveal fun and interesting facts about themselves, the stuff you won't see on their LinkedIn profile. If you're new to the show, I'm a marketing geek and head of partnerships at Tech Startup Bonjour. I'm also an American expat living in Romania. If you're curious about other European startups and what they're doing to scale, gain customers, or things that they do to differentiate themselves, hit the subscribe button because you'll love it here at Innovators Can Laugh podcast. Also, you can play the Innovators Can Laugh game and have an opportunity to compete against other startup folks on Twitter. Just look for the hashtag Innovators Can Laugh. Hi, Eric here. In this episode, I talk with Tom Vecchi, founder of CU. We talk about user-generated content, how remote fans can drive a huge amount of awareness and revenue, and launching an entirely new product into the market. I found this to be a fascinating conversation as CU allows fans to be a part of the action and support their team in a very fun way. Imagine a fan in Brazil watching a Real Madrid game that's taking place in Spain, sending his or her photo during match time and that photo appearing on the big giant LED screen. That's pretty amazing, huh? We discuss the reach that sports clubs are getting from using CU, ways first-party data can be used to get insights for monetization, and fun stuff like Tom's favorite athlete and hurdles he faced when growing CU. So check it out, and if you enjoy it, hit the subscribe button. Thanks. So, so Tom, in terms of athletes, you've been around so many different athletes. I'm wondering, past and present, who is an athlete that you would love to meet, oh, if you could? Yeah, good question, right in the middle of it. I would love to meet David Beckham. Okay, why? <laughs> uh, I just really like the way how he was conducting himself during his active career when it comes to on-pitch and off-pitch. On-pitch, you know, it was he was well known for staying out uh, on the pitch and after practice and practicing the free kicks. And he had so many up, ups and downs in his career. He was keep coming back. You know, and I think that shows a humility and persistence as a person. And this is, I believe we need, you know, whenever we do anything in life. And off pitch, I think he was very smart in a way of using his, his brand and building himself up. So even after the active career, he's uh, well known and uh, could provide to his family and maintain, you know, a, a good lifestyle and also changing lives on the humanitarian matter. So I think it's important all the philanthropic projects that he's running, you know, across the globe. Yeah. He was also instrumental in increasing the, the interest in American soccer, because I think he went to go play for LA, LA Galaxy, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, once he did that, the interest in, in football, it really exploded in, in the States. So that's the other great thing he did. I was going to ask you, before we jump into CU, 
you worked as marketing director at FC Junior Sport. And I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about more, more about that role. And uh, what were they doing in terms of trying to engage with remote fans? Or maybe they weren't doing anything at all. But if you can share what were some of the things that they were doing and how that led into you founding CU? Yes, it has, it has a significant part of going on and founding CU and seeing the challenges of sport institutes that might occur in the marketing level and in the engagement part of uh, the operations. At FC Junior Sport, we were focusing mainly at the beginning for youth players. And once we had the first generation coming up to the age of 18 and 19, we launched a team uh, in beat soccer and in futsal in, a, in an adult uh, league. And the guys uh, were delivering well. They were young players, um, both in uh, beach soccer and both in futsal. And as we speak today, I think five or six of them already part of the futsal national team in another level after a few years. So that was great. And the challenges that we were facing, one was the seasonality when it came to the uh, beach soccer part, because it's like a summer sport. And, um, and, um, targeting uh, different audiences because not necessarily were, sorry the futsal wasn't followed by the same people who followed beach soccer you know so everybody have their likes and dislikes across different sports and it was the same so we had to find a way how to involve and how to satisfy the fans needs and and, and requirements to be closer to the team you know and and know more about them so instadia activation was key and also afterwards to maintain contact with them on a remote basis if they weren't able to travel with the team to attend the matches. Can you give an example of what that looked like when they were not at the... We regularly streamed our matches and had okay. pre-match shows with different quizzes involving the audience. And also we were running like a virtual magazine for them. You know, it was only soft copy, so it was only online. And they had a chance, you know, to feature these kind of releases with their stories and how they came across of the club and why they are loving uh, to be a supporter of uh, FC Junior Sport. Okay, interesting, interesting. Okay, as it relates to fan engagement, what are you seeing now that brands are doing very well, and what should they be doing more of now that COVID has has happened you know, in the past two yeah. years? Yeah, COVID. <laughs> yeah, it, it, uh, I think we all could have lived without it, you know, uh, when it comes to personal and business life as well. Hopefully we are, we are past that stage and the world learned to live with the dangers of COVID as, as a health risk. And also the world learned to live with the, with the professional part of, you know, this kind of things, because all our jobs were affected no matter if you work in sport or somewhere else. And I think what they were doing well before COVID, they started to get, you know, like a taste of it. It's the data-driven uh, marketing and advertising. And also not a, going that far to targeting, you know, the right audience in all levels. Obviously they were used to doing it on social media platforms, text, thanks to boosted campaigns. And uh, they could have been well targeted, but it was more of like measuring the effectiveness of, of a campaign. 
you know, how many people have been reached by that campaign, what was their engagement rate, what was the activation that was prompted via that uh, activation. So I think these things really started before COVID and it had, you know, like I say, like a, a speedy increase of these kind of campaigns and the need for these kind of campaigns from brands and, and from, from sports institutes as well. COVID stopped it all for a second, I would say, you know, for a second, mm -hmm. you know, because, um, of the lack of revenue coming in and the lack of human resources mm -hmm. because they had to let go people. There was a big challenge to maintain that uh, growth uh, in those kind of campaigns. And I think nowadays, since I would say like mid 2021, the industry really started to focus on, on digitalization and digital campaigns, which mm -hmm. could be well measured and targeted. So I think this is a trend, this is a trend which is on, on steroids right now, I would say, you know, so, so forward thinking, innovative brands and sports institute institutes really moving to this direction. And it's the, it's the matter of keeping up, up with them for the rest of the, the pack, you know, I would say. Yeah. And when it comes to assessing or gauging the performance of these digital campaigns, what are the main KPIs that they're looking at? to see whether or not this campaign worked? Is it is it more season tickets that are being purchased? What are they looking for? I think it's depending on, on which field they're trying to improve when it comes to marketing campaigns. If they want to sell season tickets or if they want to reach more eyeballs with their uh, product being, you know, the, the sports event or, you know, being the, the brand who's sponsoring that sports event. I think it's all depending on the campaign that they would like to run. I think it is important now to have a first party database simply because of Facebook, Apple, and even Google, Google are closing, you know, the doors on, on user data and insights on the users. So you have less of a chance to tailor a product or, you know, a communication campaign, which is really it's the bullseye, you know, so it, it is important to have first party data and then learn more about your own fan base and then reach them on your own channels. So I think this is going to be a, a key focus for this year of, or from this year on, I would say, to have an own or first party own data. Okay. Let's move into city into CU, which allows fans around the world through a moderated channel to be able to post their photos on the LED boards inside stadiums on match days and share them on social media uh, and branded frames. Did you have to raise money to get CU off the ground initially? Thank you for the nice summary of our solution. <laughs> uh, it is, it is good, good, to, good to see, you know, when someone gets the idea what we do and how we do. It is important that you mentioned, you know, it's a match day real-time solution. And, and also it's a moderated channel. So that's key. We not only deliver uh, a mass amount of fan generated content and we do that in a safe manner, which is very, very important. Right. So the money part, that's what I hate to talk about. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> yes, we had to. Yes, we had to. Obviously my co-founders and I were investing our money into the project at the beginning. However, when uh, we got the early traction and saw that, you know, the industry really requires a solution like ours, and we have to deliver that in a, in a very fast uh, way and be able to scale our company, we needed to look for outside investment. 
and we involved the Hungarian Venture Capital Fund, okay. who invested in our company and enabled us to have a team of 23 individuals right now wow. working on the scaling of our solution and delivering service, you know, across 10, 15 venues week in, week out. Wow. Wow. I know there was more than 300 events that you guys have been a part of. What markets, aside from Hungary, are you are you currently in? How many European countries? We have debuted in over uh, 14 uh, European countries so far with our solution Okay. on different events, some of them being smaller, some of them being world events, such as the UEFA Under-21 European Championship last year in Slovenia. So that was a great experience. But we have uh, club partners in, for example, in Greece, Pauk, okay. and uh, basketball partners in Germany. And also we are very strong in Spain, in uh, La Liga 1 and La Liga 2. We have different collaborations going on, either with brands or with uh, clubs week in, week out. Okay. For a sports team or brand that wants to use your technology, what is step one and what is step two? All right. A step one would be getting in touch with us, obviously. <laughs> and yeah, explain what they would like to achieve. You know, what's the goal of the campaign, as we talked about, either if it's uh, brand exposure or if it's data collection mm -hmm. or if it's revenue generation, okay. you know, it's uh, important to know how you want to tailor the solution from the communication perspective. The second one would be, you know, going into the details, how we're going to integrate our solution technically. Basically, it has two parts. One would be the, the microsite or the table SDK that we would create via which the fans can post their selfies through our system to the LED boards in venue or into the streams of, of an event. And yeah, the second part would be connecting us with the LED providers of the venue or the broadcasters who are broadcasting uh, the event, depending on which platform they want to share the selfies. And then when we run the whole activation. What is the average implementation time uh, for something like this? The comfortable version would be 21 days. That meaning, you know, we create all visual assets for the communication based on the requirements of the partners you know, using their brand books and, and also to briefing all stakeholders in the service, meaning the social media marketer or communication partner of the, the brand and also the venue operators and um, yeah and that would be 21 days if you want to be very comfortable but we have done it in four days as well wow so, um, <laughs> it's 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 also yeah it's, it's depending like for the for the programming part and everything relating to that it would be 48 hours you know the the shortest time you know that could be squeezed out of our programmers okay and we wouldn't like that though you know it, it can be done it can be done, but our goal would be 21 days, Yeah, 14 top, you know. Well, with uh, with matches being canceled in Russia, maybe you'll have to hit that timeline if other venues say, hey, we've, we're, we have these matches here now. <laughs> yeah, we have, we have a Champions League final running here. You, know? <laughs> you come? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting. Yeah, we'll <laughs> so it's interesting to see that there's, you know, a brain can have three different goals. And one of the goals, obviously, is for awareness. What kind of uplift and awareness can a, a, a brand, a sports team see from, you know, running, you know, working with you on a campaign? And in terms of, you know, what, what are you looking at? Are you looking at 
the number of like shares and likes or the number of visitors to a website. Can you just tell, tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, monitoring different KPIs when it comes to an activation and the objectives that we would like to uh, achieve throughout the activation. One would be, which is uh, very hard to measure, is the emotional bond between the brand and the fan. Because the fan goes through the experience, we have the opportunity to display the sponsoring brand throughout the euphoric experience of having his or her selfie posted to the giant screen or to the pizza LED boards, which is not an everyday occasion, you know, for, yeah. for any fan, you know, out there. So it's definitely, you know, when the brand is being positioned in a way who allows this experience to happen for the fans. So there will be a stronger bond between the brand and the, and the fan. We also uh, measure the click-through rates from the automatic emails because once a photo is approved for display, which normally takes around six seconds for our solution. It's an AI. Yeah, it's an AI human assistant. That was going to be my next question was, was how long does it take to, to yeah. approve these? <laughs> is it six seconds? Six seconds, yeah. Okay. Six seconds. Um, so yeah, that's that's what we are trying to lower. You know, we started at 15 seconds, but our AI is continuously being taught, you might say that way. Okay. And it is capable of, you know, uh, filtering different content. Obviously, uh, the issue is not with nudity and handguns and forbidden symbols. The issue comes with the special prohibited content with different hand signals or different uh, jerseys being worn, you know, by the fans, because if it's an activation only for the home teams, then, <laughs> then you don't want to allow, you know, the opposition party smiling from the giant screen in their home stadium, you know, so that that could be a funny situation, if I may phrase that. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so then we normally include uh, different call to action buttons in these automatic emails that the fans receive. Okay. So the click to rate, it's important, you know, from our perspective, because what we try to do, we try to generate lead for our uh, partners as a brand or as a sports institute as yeah. well, either if they're selling merchandise or they are selling a service, such as uh, we had an activation with Vodafone in the UK, where they were selling a data deal to, to the users who were engaging with the activation with a discount. And the click-through rate was quite high. It was close to 90% of all users, you know. So it's important, you know, to have that user arriving to that special environment where you can, you know, show that user the photo, how it will look like on the jumbo screen, and also to being in that emotional state when they are receiving, they are open, you know, for new things. And I think this is a magic, how you can, you know, like set that scene up when, you know, the the value proposition arrives and they are open to yeah. it because, you know, you can, you can try to sell, you know, anything like a car to somebody who you are not preparing for a car purchase. You know, you just walk up to someone and say, Hey, you want to buy my car? Won't happen. But you know, if you take him to, let's say a car show and, you know, let him drive a few other, you know, like cars and yeah. being that highly emotional state would be easier. Hey, don't you want to have that car, mate? Just as good as the one you had then. Yeah. Also, it would be easier, you know, so, so I think it's important. That's why click to rate is, is a key measuring point for us. The second would be the, the number of people engaged with our solution from the 
in-studio and, and off-studio audience, you know, so we could measure, you know, how many percent of, you know, the, the crowd, we engaged with our mm-hmm. solution. If I have to compare it to in-studio audience, it would be close to five to 8% percent on average. You know, if I have to convert that and the, and the third one, which I really like is the organic engagement and reach yeah. uh, of the fan generated. If you read any PWC or KPMG study, you can see that fan generated content is a key content when it comes to sports marketing and marketing. And what CU does, we provide high engaging fan generated, moderated uh, social media content on a mass scale. So basically what we see regularly when father and son takes a photo, then the photo is shared by our partner on their official channel. Mom comes, like, <laughs> share it, tag it, comment it. My husband is the best husband. My kid is the best fan in the world. You know? And that drives organic social media exactly. engagement. So if I have to put that in, in numbers, you know, when it comes to our experience of entertaining over 130,000 fans so far with our yeah. solution, uh, it would be like 320% more organic engagement uh, on the fan right. selfies delivered than any other photo shared from the same. Right. So um, that, that I think that is key, you know, yeah. I believe. So uh, we had done some measures with different clubs and different sports and around 100 fan selfies are perfectly capable of delivering close to 90 100,000 organic reach of wow. social media simply just because of the clicks you know so imagine that you know if you use that content thematically between match days right you have you know like the father and son selfies you have the you know the family selfies you have you know the coolest fan selfies you, there are different themes that you can uh, segment out from a mass amount Absolutely. of selfies. You know, you get those guys who are wearing historical jerseys. Okay, so then you can run a competition. Okay, which one you think, guys, is the best one? You know, so there are different ways to use our tool and the content that... Oh, yeah, the social media team has content that could last throughout the whole season, probably just based on one sporting event that was highly successful. Is, is that a way that people find out about you guys? I'm wondering if there's like a flywheel on the content that's being shared. Does it say powered by CU? Is that a way that people learn about you guys? Yes, mainly. That's our biggest marketing tool, you know, the fan surface. And that's what we advise our partners to, to use, you know. So, for example, we reach the users and the fans through the existing communication channel of our partners. So, we use their websites and we use their social media platforms to communicate or even newsletter if they have you know, to communicate, communicate the solution is existing and they can use right. it and have fun with it. And the second step would be after the first match is to sharing those fan selfies because those are the really, you know, key assets that can deliver because, you know, we're going to reach the social circle of almost all fans included, you know, in yep. the activation, you know, who are engaged with this. So when, whenever we're marketing the activation, we are not you know, you said that, like, do we say that it's powered by CU? Most of the time we have a CU logo included, mm-hmm. obviously. If we use our central platform to the source of the fan-generated content, but if we run a white-label solution, we not necessarily include, you know, like CU's logo or powered by CU. 
we prefer our partner to be very successful with the activation rather than see use brand being, you know, like increased, you know, right. And, uh, the right, right. Stores. So Tom, you probably know this already. It's much easier to introduce on the market, a service or a product that is already out there in some form. CU is an entirely new product. What were some of the challenges you faced in getting potential clients to see the value proposition in CU? And also, how did you go about finding the right customers? Okay. Um, that's a question that I love and received continuously in different uh, <laughs> forums. Yes, you are right. It's a challenge and a half in itself because you are not opening a grocery store, you know, which everybody knows, or we say, I'm going to sell potatoes. Like everybody knows what the potato is and yep. what is it for? It's, it's, it's absolutely different when it comes to, you know, like a solution that did not exist uh, before. And what we do, we continuously educate the market uh, about our solution and the benefits of our solution. And that is coupled with targeting the right institutes and brands, you know, when it comes to implementing our solution. Obviously, digitalization is a one-way street, in my opinion, and I think many of us shared that opinion. And there are brands and clubs out there which are sensitive to digitalization and have a digital strategy in place and the right colleagues to implement the new, newer solutions. And there are some institutes and uh, brands out there who are not giving much about it yet, but they will, you know, in a five, 10 years time. So we have to find those players on the market who are sensitive for uh, <laughs> innovation and, and new, new things. And, um, we do that by continuously attending different summits and different forums, and uh, also using advisors across different okay. sports who would have, you know, like a service already made available in the industry or in the region. So they would be able to point out those, uh, those players in the market who would be interested mm -hmm. in our solution. Because again, if you want to sell something to someone who doesn't want to buy it because not interested in it, don't have, you know, the, uh, eagerness to learn, right. you know, and change anything right. in the ways, unless forced, we've seen COVID, you know, like forcing many clubs and many uh, sport organizations towards the digital uh, ways of conducting even the internal operations and not only talking about the sponsoring platforms, because just an interesting statistics for you in uh, global sport, it is only 9% of all uh, commercial uh, platforms, digital, Ooh. only nine, you know, so imagine, you know, like place for improvement, you know, how many uh, digital activations you can bring on board that you can brand, and then you can upsell to your existing partners or attract new sponsors, you know, and increase revenues in the yep. B2B manner. Did you know right away that in-person events or summits or advisors was the way to go? Or did it take you a while to get there? Were you trying different approaches like code calling and trying to get meetings with, with people one-to-one? Code calling was uh, the tool that I used at the very beginning of, you know, our journey. So even then I was uh, still researching the market who would be, you know, open for solutions like ours, who would have the necessary funding, you know, 
for this, to invest, because this is an investment, you know, with, with the ROI, that ROI that you cannot really measure right at the moment that, you know, but you can try the longer term. So research, research and cold calls, you know, were the one, you know, that the ones that, that help us to start, but shortly after it was obvious for us, we need to have advisors who are familiar with the market and the players okay. in the market. So that's, that's, I think that's, that's how, how did you find those advice? Uh, how did you find those advisors? Did you go through LinkedIn or because of your background working in the sports industry, did you already know who some of the advisors were? Yes and no. Obviously for a certain level, you are able to use your personal network, you know, and, and source the insights that needed who to approach with what, but I think it was the in-person events of 2018 and 2019 where not only when it came to industry summits, but also when we were providing our solutions on different world events and people were, you know, coming to us and saying that, oh yeah, that's a good thing. You know, like I know a club who were looking for such a thing. Gotcha. Something like that. So they connected us. So I believe, you know, the events where we work and the bigger, the better, the more people are attracted by them and then there are some people who are there for the uh, sport itself, but there are some people looking for new uh, marketing tools. And, and What do you think is going to be one of the biggest challenges facing the sports industry in the next, let's say, five or 10 years when it comes to fan engagement? I think we already had a very fast changing customer expectations out there, you know, with the hyperspeed digitalization, you know, the way how, how we learned how to interact with Gen Z, you know, and you know, the second screening and stuff like that. I think this is, will continuously speed up. So institutes and brands have to adopt faster, but COVID also was a good teacher regarding that because they have to, they had to give up their bureaucratic operational systems. You know, when you have 15 people look at a piece of paper and, you know, saying A or B, and then, you know, like to, to, to get something done would take ages. They were forced to quit those days or have that 15 people in one room, even in a virtual yeah. room, you know what I mean? And say, okay, we are going to do A and that's it. So. I think the challenge would be, you know, continuously keeping up with the rapidly speeding customer expectations and always providing the coolest experiences, you know, and, and the, the best possible involvement for in-study and remote fans. And once if we pass that hurdle, I think remote fan monetization will be crucial if we can learn how to monetize or the industries can learn how to monetize remote fans. Either if it's, if it's a sport club or if it's a sponsoring brand, they both have the goal of monetizing right at the end of the day, because they have to generate revenue to increase their performance, you know, as an institution. So remote fans are standing for over 99% of all right. fans following a sport event at any time. Even in a domestic level, you know, like you have, let's say like uh, 15, 12,000 people in Stadia, right? Or even more, you know, like in MLS, but you have like, I think over 
hundreds of thousands of people watching that match through streaming, through uh, linear TV. And uh, you need to find a way not to interact and engage. You also have to yeah. find a way how to monetize those because those are like one of the biggest untapped reservoir of, you know, the sports industry. Because you can sell tickets, you can sell hot dogs, you can sell, I don't know, like uh, celebrity kickoffs, you know, and things like that to anybody yeah. who's in the stadium, right? But that's just like a tiny, tiny bit of, you know, the hole, yeah. which is out there, you know, and just have to find a way. And digital Are there any brands right now that you're working with, let's say a customer, not a customer, a fan uploads a video, it gets approved, it gets on the big screen. Afterwards, after they, they send that picture to the fan, are they following up with any sort of like promotion? Like, oh, you know, get, get the club t-shirt for 20% off or something, you know, you know, are they doing any sort of uh, campaigns like that? One of our main partners in CD Leganes in Spain, and they're a La Liga club, and they are working very close with La Liga itself as well. And they are, they know how to use, you know, user data and how to use user interaction and the, the insights that they can gain through our activation. Uh, basically we have uh, monthly and quarterly reports on market intelligence and um, not only the data gathered, you know, and, and funneled into their CRM system, it's also the data on, um, consumer insights, you know, like what kind of brands they're wearing. Are they watching the match with friends or families? Are they watching the match from a pub or from home? These kind of insights we can gather, how many branded merchandise they are wearing, how many percent of them are having baseball caps, you know, and things like that. So these insights could um, help uh, Leganes to release newer and newer merchandises. So basically if we can see that, just give you an example. Okay. There are 1000 selfies coming in in a certain period and you have 75% of them kids and those kids, 32% are wearing baseball caps, yet Leganes kids don't have yeah. uh, a kids baseball cap yeah. brand released in the shop, then we can say that, okay, guys, I think this might be right. something worth to try and invest because the risk is lower that it's going to stay on the shelf because we see on the numbers your friends, you know, in this moment, they are yeah. wearing these caps, you know, so, so father and son would be happy. Now we have father's day activation with the club involved in that, like, let's wear the same cap, father and son from Leganes, you know, and snap a selfie and post it to the Jumbotron. So that could have been even better, but these kind of insights, you know, we regularly, um, share with them. And then trying to have uh, them to. God, I, I can see how brands can have so much fun, so much fun with this. You know, Father's Day, so you have pictures with the dads. Valentine's Day, maybe you have the couples, you know, wearing the the jerseys and and and, and sending in selfies and just matching all the different holidays to whatever themes it are. The social media person can have a field day with this. This is you made their job so much easier. Yeah, so much yeah, easier. Big time. <laughs> And also very important, the data comes to the club. So we are funneling social media followers into their internal CRM system. Because if you only run an activation on Facebook or Instagram the, or Twitter, the data stays with the provider. At this stage, you know, we have a gate of, you know, like a smooth Facebook or Gmail login where we have their name, email address and age group, not only for data collection purposes, but also to comply with GDPR. Uh, requirements at CCPA in the US. 
you know, because, you know, this is key. We just mentioned, you know, like first part to data. So you are not only giving them a high engaging fan generated content making machine, right? You are also funneling the huge social media follower base into their uh, CRM system. Just um, give you a, a quick example on how important it is. Spotify is about to sign or already signed a new deal with FC Barcelona. And we have a Classico this weekend, by the way. So they, Barcelona claimed that they have 350 million followers globally, right? And Spotify, during the due diligence discussions, learned that only 350, 400,000 of those are in the internal serum system. Sorry, no, I'm saying it wrong. Three and a half. Four percent. Yeah. So it's it close to one percent only. That that is so like you have like a three hundred fifty million yeah. digital follower base, right? And you can directly reach only right. Right. We, okay. <laughs> With your platform the, now that the the social media pro profiles will be tied to the individual's email or or, or whatever, they're going to be able to see the quality of each person by segment. So they'll be able to know if a person that shared on Instagram actually spent more money, maybe in the retail store versus just a regular fan that's not being tagged with Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. I think they'll be able to decipher that. And then they'll realize, oh, wow, from the people that are sharing this, let's try to get more people to share it on this platform because we know those people on that platform, they tend to spend more money. Anyway, that's just me thinking out loud, but I can see where you're going with the power of the data analytics that in five years time, you know, brands that are not using this information, that are not using data the right way, they're probably going to get left behind. They're still relying on money just from, you know, hot dogs and beer, which is not going to cut it in the future. Definitely. Okay. So Tom, this has been really, really engaging. Before we before we let go here, there's a couple of fun questions that I like to ask my guests so that way the audience gets to know them. <laughs> the first question I have for you, it's a fill-in-the-blank question. So fill in the blank for this question. A favorite childhood toy I played with was a ball. Football. Okay. Football ball, soccer ball, you know, soccer ball. <laughs> I know. Not, not, you know, game. Yeah, I know. Most of the listeners are European, so they're going to know what you're talking about here. <laughs> okay, second All question right. I have for you here. It's another fill in the blank. Blank is something I wish I had known before I launched CU. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's a good one. Is there a timer running in the back? You know, like, uh, <laughs> I'll give you I'll give you twenty seconds. I say it would be the insider knowledge of the industry. That would have saved us so much time. And give me an example so of that. What do you mean by that? Like one example. With, like uh, you know, we talked about having targeted the right institutes and brands in the industry, you know, who are open for innovation and, and digitalization. Now imagine me approaching many institutes and many brands who has no eagerness to do anything else. And me going there for a meeting, introducing CU 15 million times and getting the, <laughs> you know, in the face or we think, of, or we think about it, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> 
let us call you back. So yeah, I, I wish, I wish I had had that uh, insider knowledge. So I would have saved some time, you know, from my personal life and also, yeah. you know, from the company's life, you know, yeah. God knows where well, that, right now. That's part got, of the journey, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know. That's what they say. Yeah, I know. I wouldn't change it, you know. But that's why, you know, like when you had this question, you're like, I don't know if I would change uh, many things or, or you know, like. Well, I, I think that's the journey that we have to take, you know, with its ups and downs, and with its challenges, and also the the good parts. I, I wouldn't change many things, you know. About got you, got you. Tom, work at listeners. Connect with you and learn more about CU. I'm happy to connect via LinkedIn and also learn about CU, our official uh, LinkedIn page as well. And just just Google CU selfies, and you will see many activations coming to life in the past past years, and also you know the the happy fans across different platforms and different um, fantastic uh, thank you thank you so much for being on the show don't hang up just yet this has been a pleasure and uh, everybody listening i will chat with you next week cheers thank you Eric. thanks for listening to the show if you enjoyed it i'd really appreciate it if you could give us a review and star rating also don't forget to sign up for the ico newsletter at innovatorscanlaugh.com where you can get the bio and details of each guest thanks <laughs>